great brother from the age of the dawn place. From a dead man. Greetings. Coronavirus is the biggest threat this country has faced for decades. We're seeing the devastating impact of this invisible killer. There will come a moment when no health service in the world could possibly cope because there won't be enough ventilators, enough intensive care beds, enough doctors and nurses. That is the moment of real danger. The new variant is out of control and we need to bring it under control. And this news about the new variant has been a uh, an incredibly difficult end to, frankly, an awful year. And it's important for everybody to act, essentially act like they might have the virus. And that's the way that we can control it together. The way ahead is hard. And it is still true that many lives will, sadly, be lost. Our advisory group on new and emerging Respiratory virus threats, nerve tag, has spent the last few days analyzing this new variant. It may be up to 70% more transmissible than the old variant, the original version of the disease. You, you might be infectious, and that's the way that we have to behave at this moment. Assume you might be infectious, assume you might be infectious, and that's the way that we have to behave at this moment. Today, the United Kingdom's chief medical officers have advised that the country should move to alert level five, meaning that uh, if action is not taken, NHS capacity may be overwhelmed within 21 days. And it's going to spread further, and I, I must level with you, level with the, the British public, um, more families, uh, many more families, are going to lose loved ones before their time. Your colleague on stage, John Edmonds, has just sent me a statement saying that as far as he's concerned, this is the worst moment of the epidemic because of the extraordinary inf infectivity of this new strain. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, this is a horrible moment for sure. I to say, as I'm really sorry to hear about your two relatives who died from this virus. I mean, it is a very dangerous virus uh, for many people. We're looking to move to a different regime, so as we come to the fourth step, we will change the basic tools that we have used to control human behaviour.
after reading that law line, I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually playing with. They are, in a coup they might come and fucking intimidate me and whatnot. But fuck, they do not understand what the fuck just one person like myself is capable of. They do not fucking understand. No fucking vaccine or MRA will ever flow through my fucking blood blood. Never! I will fucking die fucking fighting for my forefathers and my fucking lineage. Fuck these motherfuckers. That's right, folks. It's Saint Arafat Day, and uh, that means feed the bleak day. Um, yeah, I wasn't going to stream, but then uh, <laughs> got it. Ah, that blicks a monkey on my shoulder constantly. Uh, I need to need to keep him fed. But uh, I will be doing a whole bunch of streaming. Um, I'm going to do an interview with uh, Dopaminergic13 on uh, Twitter. Um, I forgot the name of the podcast that she does now. But um, I'm going to do interview with her, 9pm my time, and then 6am in the morning and Saturday morning for me, which would be, I think, about mid-afternoon uh, for you in uh, my American cousins in the evening for my Europoid cousins. I'll be doing a stream with uh, Dr. Joanna Dinart and, of course, uh, the wonderful Christy Grace. And uh, we'll be doing, well, I hope we'll be doing all things Herve and Lipid Nanoparticles. Who knows where that will go? We will see. So, um I had to do this stream really because uh, I had it in the, uh, I say, um, chambered and cocked. And the last time I streamed, I obviously uh, did a pivot and just had a chat with uh, Ryan, which was uh, very, very nice, very informative. Um, but as I've got these tabs to get through, I'm going to do it. I'm determined. 
And if I'm determined, you should be determined too to uh, send those shekels, keep the servers spinning, keep the dock, keep the dock in the fight. Right, uh, let's see, let's do this. We'll try not to dilly dally about too much because I do have so much streaming to do. Uh, it's bigger, yes, okay. And of course, you can't see the. <laughs> Part of that, which is disinformation is evil, uh, but not when we do it. Um, we did touch on uh, Jacinda Ardern and her speech uh, quickly with um, Ryan. I, I just want to listen to it in its totality again. There's another few pieces that I want to want to add to build out a picture of uh, Zog and what it means for you and your future as they look to clamp down on your speech. Let's build it in your kill box. Get back in your kill box. Wait further instruction. Um, drop the vape dog and get treadmill like Dawson. Um, how dare you? <laughs> I love my vape. Um, it's the best thing since sliced bread. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna share my love with it with you. All right. Um, so we did this, uh, of course, as I mentioned, Zog. I want to do this one. Uh, shut Zog down from Good Doggy there. And uh, oh, did I have? Uh, I've got some tabs out of sync here. Maybe no. All right. So if you've wandered in here wondering who I am, that's me, Dr. Kevin McCann, a uh, systems neuroscientist by trade, but turned renegade, as we've seen, uh, we've seen Zog apparatus ramp up and uh, come for uh, came for you and your loved ones, and they haven't stopped yet. We will take a look at the uh, yeah, their latest machinations and uh, the the science of the day. Uh, is what I want to focus on. There's a couple of interesting new papers, but HERVs, uh, Human Endogenous Retroviruses, um, we should be looking at that as a potential attack vector. So what I would like you to do, of course, is bookmark mccandojo.com, I ask humbly. And uh, if you are inclined to feed the bleaks on the plantation, make me into a generous, generous slave master. Please hit uh, donate via Zogcard or GayPal. You can go to Patreon, buy me a coffee, subscribe star, cryptocurrencies, etc. All gladly accepted. You can join our Discord or Gilded chat. And if you'd like, you can be registered to be notified. And um, you should be able to watch the stream on there. Why hasn't that started? Refresh. Um, Yes, there you go. Uh, you don't have to give your data to big data with the doc. Um, it's all uh, it's all voluntary, and I don't keep a thing. Um, your your digital details do not uh, interest me whatsoever. So do this real quick, and let me do this. Oh yes, remind everyone that um, I don't sit on those riches like a dragon. Um, it goes into server architecture because. As the uh, Zog machinery comes to shut you down, you can be pretty sure that the well, corporate platforms are going to be less and less uh, generous to uh, those who would speak out against tyranny. And um, you can go to wtyl.live and uh, you can sign, you can you sign up, load up, stream up, whatever you want to do there. Um, I don't mind. You just you just got to register. We, we want to have... Uh, a bouncer on the gates, just check you're not a nerdy well. Uh, of course, remind everyone as well now that um, we do do have a way of protecting your uh, Discord 
account if you would like um you can uh, it's called revolt and uh, you can get there from our discord server and it bridges over so you can a bot will post for you on discord so if you want to get spicy with memes etc you can use the revolt instance i'm uh, still still feeling our way around this one i'm not saying it's uh, guaranteed guaranteed nail on disguise but uh, it's something it's something it shows that we're trying right let us get into uh, un free speech fast now i covered this briefly with uh, Ryan, but I just wanted to go over it again because it's just so f it's in your face Lick spill you're gonna learn you will <laughs> You will bow down to your zog masters. They've got it all planned out and uh, let's let's listen to horseface here This week we launched an initiative alongside companies and non-profits to help improve research and understanding of how a person's online experiences are curated by automated processes. This will also be important in understanding more about mis- and disinformation online, a challenge that we must, as leaders, address. That's right, Lick Spills. You've got information disorder. <laughs> you will take your Legac deal now. Sadly, I think it's easy to dismiss this problem as one in the margins. I can certainly understand the desire to leave it to someone else. As leaders, we're rightly concerned that even the most light-touch approaches to disinformation could be misinterpreted. Have <laughs> we misinterpreted? Yeah, yeah, right. Pull the other one. I'd let, let me introduce you to my friend uh, George and Aldous here. Um, what the fuck are these people on, man? It's being hostile to the values of free speech that we value so highly. <laughs> but why free speech, but not freedom of, <laughs> not freedom of reach, courtesy of uh, ADL. While I cannot tell you today what the answer is to this challenge, I can say with complete certainty that we cannot ignore it. To do so poses an equal threat to the norms we all value. <laughs> yes, the way that we can just trample on the backs of the intermention, climb the corporate ladder so we can turn around and piss down on them. Yes, you heard it there first. After all, how do you successfully end a war if people are led to believe the reason for its existence is not only legal but noble? Um, I wonder if she is talking about Ukraine here. Obviously, Zelensky was at the uh, same meeting i did have a clip of him just doing some <laughs> he's he's trying to conflate uh basically environmental green issues and uh <laughs> the war in europe but how do you tackle climate change if people do not believe it exists how do you ensure oh, me carbon credits oh no for the human rights of others are upheld when they are subjected to hateful and dangerous rhetoric and ideology. The weapons may be different, but the goals of those who perpetuate them is often the same, to cause chaos and reduce the ability of others to defend themselves. Yet, don't you, don't you go looking into those history books, Lexpel! Get back in and consume more! And uh, we'll, we'll look after everything for you till, the, uh, till you're ready for your suicide pod. To disband communities. 
to collapse the collective strength of countries who work together. But we have an opportunity here to ensure that these particular weapons of war do not become an established part of... As weapons of war. Yeah, you, you, your ability to speak and communicate uh, across uh, the uh, the public commons and as simple as it is, uh, the internet is a public commons now and um, was always meant to be. Don't let the corporates take a hold of it, folks. Warfare. In these times, I'm acutely aware of how easy it is to feel disheartened. We are facing many battles on many fronts. But there is cause for optimism, because for every new weapon we face, there is a new tool to overcome it. For every attempt to push the world into chaos is a collective conviction to bring us back. Oh, God, she's fucking nauseating. I can't take any more. But, um, yeah, it just needed playing one more time, just so it leads into another story which I had, which was, and the article wasn't, opening but it's from uk column so the uk online safety bill means it will be illegal to challenge the official government narrative online punishable by five years in jail now again i haven't I've, i know the uk safety bill just got passed i think that's why our christopher just got a um his account taken but um don't uh Oh, I say don't. What can you do? Just, just keep shit posting away, lickspittles. Uh, keep them busy. So many distractions over the last few weeks, and many of us were wondering what else has been actually going on behind the scenes. What have they been trying to distract us from? It's bad news. I'm sorry to say the UK government have very quietly just passed a bill in Parliament, which will mean that anyone that challenges the government's official stance on anything online will be prosecuted and quickly incarcerated. The police will be working closely with the infamous traitors of the 77th Online Task Force, which was created to crush resistance to the government's COVID-19 response in the event of an online infraction, challenge the Gov, WEF official narrative, the police will be dispatched to your home where your door will be unceremoniously kicked in, etc, etc. Again, it's not like we haven't seen this coming and they're, they're just turning the screws slowly and surely and I'm not sure where it ends up, but it's not a world that I want to live in and the medical tyranny, which is obviously part of their agenda here, is um, is, is going to be amplified by their use of biowarfare. Don't, it's not so good on the battlefield, but for uh, kicking your uh, <laughs> kicking your countrymen rather down, yeah, it's great for that. Uh, let's see, and how exactly is that going to be implemented? The fucking overground. And running three to four days a week. Um, yeah, but you just get put on a list and um, look, <laughs> the muggings and the burglaries, they're low priority crimes. But the feels of uh, your homo, your local homo in the uh, village is uh, going to be tantamount importance. And uh, they, will be, they will be sending well, it would be police or uh, social workers. They'll say, oh, there's children in that house. Quick, send the social workers around and uh, grab a few more victims for our Zog machine. Right. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to get through this stuff quickly. But uh, what was this? Um, 
Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, shout out to you've been nudged. He 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 clipped this up for me, and uh, it leads into um, the next uh, next hilarity from the reality engine. Next week, the teeth of the Russian devils will gnash ever harder, and their rabid mouths will foam in uncontrollable frenzy, as the world will see a favorite Kremlin propagandist pay for their crimes. And this puppet of Putin is only the first. Russia's war criminal propagandists will all be hunted down, and justice will be served as we in Ukraine are led on this mission by faith in God, liberty, and complete liberation. It just needs the next week. Shout a pitch. Apparently, Ukraine territorial defense forces were not happy with Cirillo. Uh, statement, yeah, statements of junior Sergeant Ashton Cirillo in recent days were not approved by the command of the TDF or the command of the AFU when conducting military operations against the aggressor. The defense forces of Ukraine strictly observed the norms of international humanitarian law. Uh, just color me a little skeptical on that one. I've seen the kneecapping videos. The command of the TDF will conduct an official investigation into the circumstances of these statements. Yada, yada, yada. Um... <laughs> Am I following that account? Um, yeah, I'm going to have to give that a follow. Um, what was I? Did I have... Uh, I, maybe I decided not to put it in. Oh, yeah, this was funny. <laughs> just, just to cap off the Ukraine segment, um, apparently this was... Uh, well, I guess because of the UN meeting. Uh, I believe this to be... Is this Times Square? Maybe not Times Square. Somewhere in New York. But uh, glory to urine. It literally says urine. <laughs> Talk about a piss take. Wow. Uh, so that's got to be Photoshop. Surely, surely someone has, uh, has messed with that. <laughs> fucked that up. But very, very funny if it's true. All right, all right. Let's move on. And uh, oh, in um, lab origin news, um, the WIV Institute has been barred from receiving U.S. grants for 10 years. And uh, let's see, because of their research possibly leading to unacceptable outcomes. That's right, folks. 20 to 30 million dead um, is euphemistically called unacceptable outcomes but uh, when life gives you lemonade you can always uh, make your your digital security state out of it which is what they're trying and lastly oh yeah let's see i haven't had shaheeds for a while um i tend to ignore them now not everyone dying from because of vaccines but this is a odd turn up for the books. Uh, shout out to Aussie 17 for this one. So this is madness. Two personalities from ITVs this morning dies within a few days of each other. Um, this morning and 10 years younger expert, Dr. Uh, say that, Uchenna Okoi dies after sudden illness. ITV this morning pays tribute to delightful young man, Matty Lark. Yeah, the What's going on? It's just 19 year olds used to drop down dead all the time. I used to see it. They're going down like bowling pins on a Friday and Saturday evening. Um, again, 
can we point at the vaccines? Most likely, um, but there may be other factors involved, and we can um, try enough uh, enough nasheeds. Um, but is there a contribution from virus still? And there's a couple of papers that I want to look at first before I dive in. Um, Two herbs. Now, give me a second. Screen layout's all messed up. Do this. Your vape is like my binky. Yes. Yes, it is. It's not good for you. Um, it's, not, it's not like a uh, completely... He it's healthier than cigarettes, but... Um, don't start would be my advice but i am a nicotine fiend and i i would be sitting here twirling uh mints around my mouth and uh you know this this is more enjoyable than mints all right uh what was i going to do next so um what papers don't need that one don't need that one or that one well no remind everyone acquired immune deficiency syndrome correlation with SARS-CoV-2 and genotypes um, the N protein has a specificity for CD147, which is uh, one of your immune cells. And we don't want to do this one. And we're working towards trying to understand this, which is reactivated endogenous retroviruses promote protein aggregate spreading. So, prions to you. And we have to understand the role that, and this, this is a new area for me. It's not something that I've really considered. It was towards the end of my domain specialization. The, um, the like I say, viruses were highly suspect in contributing to neurodegenerative disorders. And we now understand that many of those disorders are forms of prion disorders, proteinaceous infectious particles, forming propagons and then forming cascades within um, cells and networks of interest. And we covered, uh, well, just a quick reminder that um, we now have data that there is a 20 amino acid sequence in what, well, what would have been the OG SARS, um, but also all the original vaccines and this is truncated by five amino acids now but it's still there in omicron um, versions and this sequence as this paper says um, it's specific for human prion protein and um, by any metric that should be of concern and you know <laughs> It takes it takes quite a few years for the uh, the illness to emerge. So we have uh, well, get your popcorn and uh, settle in for the uh, settle in for the ride. And of course, um, we checked this paper out recently. So BSE infection alters endogenous retrovirus expression in primate brain. And oh, skip this, skip this, and oh yeah, I'm just going to touch on this briefly because. This may, it, it's very difficult for me, just from a scientific perspective, to completely dismiss 
viral infection. And what this study is looking at is viral persistence using um, PET imaging. And I'm not going to spend too long on it, but um, what they found was, um, here, we can just look through these graphs, and the the red or the pale, whatever color that is, pink, pink, red, difficult to tell. Um, so there are a number of areas where we see significant increases in um, viral reservoirs. Um, yeah, is that not significant? But uh, thoracic spinal cord, um, the corda equina, which is the end of the spinal cord as it sort of separates out into uh, all the nerves of the leg and uh, pelvic region. And um, we see significant increases in nasal turbinates, tonsils, um, right hilum, hilum. Mm, have to look that one up, um, in the colon wall, uh, in the bone marrow, um, unfortunately, and iliac marrow and femoral, no, femoral marrow is not increased significantly. And let's see, where else do we have a significant increase in the pons? So again, the pons, which is part of the brainstem, which is where you have all these cranial nerve nuclei and including uh, Botzinger complex, which is responsible for your respiratory rhythm, unconscious control of your breathing, which is one of the first things that I was pointing out years and years ago. And if you have uh, dysregulation in that, you can shut someone down uh, real, real quick. And um, yeah, that's that's about it. So there's again, there's a viral persistence issue here. We do not know what the interactions are with gene transfecting as well. Sorry, we don't. And anyone who says that they do um, is lying to you. The experiments have not been done. And again, we have to try to account for the sustained all-cause mortality. And the simple fact is that it seems in countries where they have not vaccinated as much, the all-cause mortality is lower than high-vax countries. And there was one more paper which I wanted to um, quickly go over. So again, this is something that if you've been following this channel, you know we talk about this a lot, which is this, again, a lot of neurodegenerative disorders are prion disorders. Prion just means proteinaceous infectious particle. It's able to cause a misfolding in, well, usually they say like for like proteins, but you can have um, cross-seeding amyloidogenic peptides. And in this study, I'm going to come back to this study because I want to look at it in more detail, but uh, it just came out recently say last day or two and SARS-CoV-2 virus leads to tau pathological signature in neurons and phosphorylated tau is one of the bigger markers with respect to um, 
Alzheimer's. And of course, if we go back to this paper here, the other tiny amino acid sequence, which they've identified from spike protein, which would also be transcribed by gene transfection technologies, is specific for amyloid beta 142, which is another marker for um, Alzheimer's. So again, the data keeps coming out, it keeps supporting the contention that we have. And you know, if this is, well, I, I'm, I'm finding this data, should we say, um, oops, this one, uh, particularly human PRP scrapey catalyzing sequences as just being a little too opportune, I'm afraid. I don't think that this leapt out of a bat cave. I think this was very likely the consequence of, at best, at best, biowarfare, medical countermeasures, developments, and the industries involved herewith, or it was very, very deliberate and uh, designed to cause attrition across a extended period of time. Um, <laughs> Prions, the hammer on Ackies of biology, yeah. Um, right. Uh, oh, Christy. Yes, I will see you tomorrow. Take care. And uh, let me just do this and this. Let me just see if anyone's uh, hit that peak. Hmm. Yes. Uh, Bob, uh, you can have. Uh, what can you have? I haven't we had for a while. Mm -hmm. Wow, it's a plan. Really, I'll do it again. Working. Did I got my? I'll do. Uh, what's his face? That is me. Uh, I am a legit scientist. All published and shit. Published. Um, but uh, not enough. Come on, we need to feed that bleak. And uh, maybe I've missed a few in Rumble. I did see. Maybe there was one. Chris as well. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But uh, we're falling far, far short of what uh, what that Blick needs for his Mackie D fund. And let's do this and get into this paper, which I think is of critical importance. And I just found this just as we were poking around earlier in the week, um, taking abreast of the fact that Herves, human endogenous retroviruses seem to play a critical role in protein folding disorders. And it would appear, would appear to me that um, it's a very generalizable reaction to see upregulation in Herves to the point where I would make the argument that it would be part of an innate immune response. The problem is, is that innate immune response, as I explained to you earlier, is catalyzing for, it increases the propensity for these misfolded protein aggregates to come together. And in light of the fact that we see this uh, PRP scrapey specific sequence um, is very, very concerning. So 
It's a few months old, this paper now. <laughs> Six-month-old paper is old now. How times have changed. But uh, it is SARS-CoV-2 awakens ancient retroviral genes and the expression of pro-inflammatory HERV-W envelope protein in COVID-19 patients. And we'll see what it has to say. So... Um, in summary, patients with COVID-19 may develop abnormal inflammatory response, followed in some cases by severe disease and long-lasting syndromes. We show here that in vitro exposure to SARS-CoV-2 activates the expression of the human endogenous retrovirus HERV-W pro-inflammatory envelope protein in peripheral blood mononuclear cells from a subset of healthy donors. So I'll just take a wild stab in the dark and say that's their test platform in this particular instance. Um, isolated white blood cells and then exposure to virus or spike protein, one of the two. Um, da -da 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 -da, from subset of healthy donors in ACE2 receptor and infection independent manner. Plasma and or sera of 221 COVID-19 patients from different cohorts infected with successive SARS-CoV-2 variants, including the Omicron, had detectable HERV-WENV, which correlated with ENV expression in T lymphocytes and peaked with the disease severity. HERV-WENV was also found in post-mortem tissue of lungs, heart, gastrointestinal tract, brain olfactory bulb, nasal mucosa from COVID-19 patients. Altogether, these results demonstrate that SARS-CoV-2 could induce HERV-W envelope protein expression and suggests its involvement in the immunopathogenesis of certain COVID-19-associated syndromes and thereby its relevant, relevant sorry, in the development of personalised treatment of patients. <laughs> of course, they have to get that in there. It just means prep for everyone. Um, so... Let's see, proof of concept in vitro. So yeah, they're taking virus and the spike protein. Um, PBMC, uh, it's PBMC, it's monocytes, right? Plasma something, monocytes, control. Mm. 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 Peripheral blood, mononucleosides. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Much, much appreciated. Okay, so yes, we know about SARS, high morbidity, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Numerous long-lasting post-infectious symptoms or syndromes are commonly observed among patients who had COVID-19 from benign to severe forms. Moreover, beyond a dominant respiratory tract tropism, extrapulmonary COVID-19 forms are more frequent and diverse than initially expected. Mm. The dysregulation of innate and adaptive immunity has been recognized to play a critical role in the clinical outcome of COVID-19 patients. Severe evolution of COVID-19 is thought to be driven by hyperactivated innate immunity in addition to adaptive immune deficit defects often resulting in lymphopenia and neutrophil lymphocyte imbalance and that takes us of course back to this paper um, acquired immune deficiency syndrome 
themselves. And again, in that paper, it's computational, etc. But they think it can be sustained for long periods. Basically, um, it just becomes, did they say chronic? What's the word they used, I think? Not, not digging through it now, though. So, uh, Not only is SARS-CoV-2 aerosolized, but so are IgA and IgG of vaccinees. IgG and IgA response of vax discovered in mucosal lining of children of vaccinees. Um, yeah, uh, I'm not um, not overly surprised by that. With plenty of uh, evidence to indicate shedding of all sorts occurs around SARS. So. All right. Um, okay, so a deficient interferon response has also been shown to favor or result from SARS-CoV-2 infection. I remember, I'm trying to remember which one specific protein, but we know that SARS peptides do downregulate um, interferon. It slips my mind right now. Multifaceted immunological dysregulations are underlying hyperimmune reactions such as the cytokine storm syndrome, the multisystem inflammatory syndrome in children and inflammation driven thromboembolic events, as well as neurological and various other manifestations. The present COVID-19 pandemic has thus raised many questions about the pathophysiological mechanisms that could explain numerous symptoms and syndromes associated with SARS-CoV-2 infection. Certain infectious agents have been shown to activate pathological processes via receptor-coupled signaling pathways by impairing the epigenetic control and or by direct directly activating endogenous retroviral elements present in the human genome. I wonder what's the... Mm. Okay. Um, okay. So herbs represent about 8% of human chromosomal sequences and comprise about 22 families independently acquired during evolution from exogenous retroviruses via an infection of germline cells. In particular conditions of activation, a production of endogenous proteins of retroviral origin with pathogenic effects may generate clinical symptoms corresponding to the organ, tissue or cells in which they are expressed according to the specific tropism of the triggering infectious agent. And remember, because of SARS having this broad tissue tropism, because of the furin cleavage site, lots of lots of organ systems basically are going to upregulate these herbs every because it's germ cell dependent it's in all tissue and organ systems and again i would from a weaponeer's perspective that's great um that's something that you would uh, definitely take aim at Now I'm looking at the implication of a bunch of little fragments of shuttle vector like a plasmid. Okay, going to talk about that tomorrow. Um, 
right next to plant your genome that contained an old remnant of herbs especially in the placenta it would be rare but oh yeah sounds wonderful um where do these little flies come from that are so tiny they fly right through the window insect screens yeah um that's just the uh, magnificent reality engine in which we live all right uh we therefore studied um oh no missed a bit about tissue in particular conditions of activation a production of endogenous proteins of retroviral origin with pathogenic effects may generate clinical symptoms corresponding to organ tissue or cells in which they expressed according to specific tropism of the triggering infectious agent we did this have abnormal expression may also become self-sustained thus treating chronic protein expression in effective tissues e.g with cytokine cytokine sorry mediated feedback loops such a sustained expression has been shown to be involved in brain lesions with lifelong expansion in patients with ms multiple sclerosis have envelope proteins can be inserted in cell membranes but may also be released extracellularly some of them were shown to exert major immunopathogenic and or neuropathogenic effects in vitro and in vivo associated with disease pathonomic features. We therefore studied whether SARS-CoV-2 could activate HERV copies considered as dormant enemies within. Yeah, I'm, I'm not buying that quite yet. Um, them getting out of control? Yes. Um, are they providing a physiological role i think they may be so um I'll take that pinch of salt for the moment we focused on her families already shown to be involved in the pathogenesis of human diseases have w and have k to comprehensively evaluate the potential association covid19 and associated syndromes this question became critical after a recent study has revealed the significant expression of HERV WENV in lymphoid cells from COVID-19 patients correlating with disease outcome and markers of lymphocyte exhaustion or senescence. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, airborne AIDS. <laughs> Again, I would just be, it's not going to be everyone and just pray that you're in the not everyone group. In the present study, we initially addressed the potential role of SARS-CoV-2 to activate a pathogenic HERV protein expression as reported with other viruses, for example, MS, and in type 1 diabetes. We further analyzed their expression in white blood cells and the presence in plasma of patients with COVID-19 presenting various clinical forms at early and late time points. Our results showed that SARS-CoV-2 can activate the production of HERV WEMV cultured blood mononuclear cells from a subset of healthy donors to her wemv is expressed on t lymphocytes from covid19 patients <laughs> oh shit her wemv antigen is detected in all tested plasma or serum samples from severe cases in intensive care unit but only in about 20 percent of pcr positive cases after early diagnosis Four, the prevalence of HERV WENV increases with disease severity, whatever the infecting SARS-CoV-2 variant is implicated. Okay. So even Omicron, folks. 
and have WEMV expression is observed by immunohistochemistry in cell types relevant for COVID-19 associated pathogenesis within affected organs, and particularly in microglia, so that's your brain, folks, of post-mortem brain parenchyma from severe COVID-19 patients. Altogether, these results strongly suggest that HERV WEMV may be involved in immunopathogenic um, pathways associated with acute and post-acute COVID, underlying the importance to further address its role as a biomarker and as a potential target for personalized treatment of COVID-19 patients. Mm. Okay. Work. Um, what's this? Impact of pre-existing chronic viral infection and reactivation on the development of long COVID. Yeah, I mean, we're familiar with um, Epstein, etc. It's the... Right now, the focus for myself is trying to tease apart what the endogenous retroviruses mean with respect to protein misfolding. This, 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 this is important, I think, I believe. All right. So their experimental results. We initially analyzed whether infectious SARS-CoV-2 could modulate the expression of HERV-W and HERV-K ENV genes in leukocytes from healthy donors. EBMCs, so just remember white blood cells basically, were cultured with or without infectious SARS-CoV-2 and RNA was collected at two hours post-inoculation. In PBMC from 3 out of 11 HVDs, HERV-WENV RNA levels were significantly increased after exposure to SARS-CoV-2. The same donors also showed a transcriptional increase of HERV-KENV, while in some donors the decrease of the expression of both ENVs was observed. Uh, let me try and pass that again. The same donors also showed a transcriptional increase of HERV-KENV, while in some donors the decrease of the expression of both EMVs of W and have K, I guess. Both EMVs were observed. So very heterogeneous response. The comparison of average fold changes for HERV activating samples and non-HERV activating subgroup showed consistently high significant difference. An increase in mRNA expression in virus exposed virus versus mock exposed cells for both WNV and KNV in a subgroup of HERV activating donors and two decrease in RNA expression in virus exposed versus mock exposed cells for WENV and KENV in a subgroup of HERV non-activating donors was highly significant. Interestingly, the cells from the same donor presented the similar pattern of expression for both WENV and KENV depending on the subgroup they belonged. Of note, the baseline expression of HERV W and HERV K copies co-amplified. Keep doing that. Um, now, co-amplified by the same primers is due to highly homologous sequences in several other copies from the same families. Whatever the primers used in control cultures, this reflects the detection of RNAs from these HERV families. 
now globally known to contribute to non-coding regulatory RNAs involved in physiological controls of gene expression. Yeah, I and mean, there's, there's too much. I, I keep seeing this in the literature of, as I'm beginning to peel away and understand this, which is that these endogenous retroviruses play physiological roles. And it may be that at a certain level of activity, yes, um, the body has learned to use them. It's integral for moment-to-moment translation and coding of um, genetic elements. And then there's probably an element where if it increases in response to exposure to pathogens, it helps with innate immune response. And that may generally be a good thing till it goes out of range and um, becomes a self-amplifying disease condition of itself, which also then facilitates prion disorder. That's how I'm seeing this right now, if that makes sense. If you have questions, um, I'll answer them in the chat. Um, Let's see. Oh, Christy sent me a link on Skype. Uh, oh, my Skype isn't open, that's why. Uh, um, uh, good on Philip. Um, is this what I was supposed to be looking at? Uh, right. Let's. Oh, poor Simon. Poor, poor Simon. All right. Um, Yeah, yeah. Usual immunohistochemistry. And so what's NSARS? Nucleocapsid? Caption. Split screens. This blocks. Well, this is a long fucking paper. I don't know if I'll be doing it in one go. <laughs> yes. All right. So let's try and keep that up here. Right. So 
A, the level of health, W, E, N, V, and K, E, N, V in monocyte cultures. First SARS-CoV-2, or mock treated culture medium. Okay, so I guess the gray is mock, and yeah, see, it's not all the samples. Just one, two, three, there, and four. Mm. I've got a feeling it's going to be a somewhat slippery bit of biology. B. Um, on a site, cultures of HBD inoculated with SARS CoV 2 collected either at three or seven days post exposure and say it's stained have WN green and SARS-CoV-2 nuclear capsid red. Yeah, well, I ain't seeing much red in these images. So... Do my eyes deceive me? Monocyte cultures from three representative donors with a variable number of HERV WEMV positive green cells. Yeah, look, man, I'm convinced you can show that. Um, I want to wanna see a positive hit for the SARS. Um, I don't. So I'm not understanding this correctly. Yeah, I'm. I've suddenly uh, this paper is making me question a lot, right? So, well, there's more description of in the text here. So next, we analyze whether HERV RNA expression was followed by HERV protein production. Monocyte cells of independent each human blood donors, that would be, inoculated with SARS-CoV-2 or mock inoculated were analyzed for the presence of envelope proteins HERV-W, HERV-K or SARS-CoV-2-N by immunofluorescence. HERV-W-ENV expression was donor dependent as observed in 3 out of 10 human blood donors. Yeah, so less than half. It was abundantly detected in donor 7. Yeah, 12 and 9, okay. Nevertheless, in HERV-WEMV positive cells of responders, a marked cellular expression was seen at high magnification. Conversely, neither HERV-KNV or SARS-CoV-2 antigens were detected. Yeah, I was going to say, I wasn't seeing any um, SARS in there. So, um, that's... What's the take-home of that? Finally, neither HERV-WEMV nor HERV-K ENV protein was detected in control cultures without exposure to SARS-CoV-2. 
Mm, yeah. I'm not convinced by the way they're laying out their data here. But we'll press on. SARS-CoV-2 infected Vero E6 cells used as a positive control clear cellular expression of SARS-CoV-2N and spike proteins figure S1A bastards. Okay. There, some red. Um... So Vera E6Ls, we looked at S1A, along with an increased SARS-CoV-2 and mRNA load. <laughs> Again, I'm not diving through your supplementary data. Let's, uh, let's get past that. The specificity of anti-HERV W and K ENV antibodies have been established in previous studies, and that of secondary antibodies was also verified on monocytes from study populations. To compare HERV RNA kinetics in monocytes exposed to SARS-CoV-2 from different individuals, four representative uh, donors were analysed. Hey, look, I'm struggling here to if you if you're seeing this response in less than fifty percent. I mean, okay, maybe of interest, but it it detracts from it detracts from the paper that it's so few um, responders in this instance. It's difficult for me to say, oh, that's, yeah, that's really linked to um, severity. But I guess a lot of what they're doing here is just establishing their um, probes, etc. So I'll give them that leeway for the moment. Results showed that the levels of HERV, WEMV, HERV, K, ENV, RNA decreased at 19 hours and or 24 hours post-inoculation after an earlier peak in cells from HERV activating donors. In parallel, in the same cell cultures, SARS-CoV-2 nRNA kinetics showed abundant RNA load only after viral inoculation in all inoculated samples the significant decrease at 19 hours post-exposure, confirming the absence of viral replication monocytes. Mm, okay. okay, okay. I, just my immediate just surface take of this, a lot of this was just um, establishment of their methodology more than anything. So let's get their figure two ready. Mm. Exposure to SARS-CoV-2 triggers HERV-W envelope production in a T-cell subset of healthy individuals. Yeah, okay, we kind of got that. And they're pointing to supplementary data still. Yeah, yeah. you know what, this is one of those papers where it sounds really, <laughs> really impressive at the front, uh, on the front reading, and then you get into it and, yeah, not so... Not so um, impressive, so we'll keep jumping ahead. Exposure to SARS-CoV-2 recombinant trimeric spike protein triggers HERV-W-ENV protein production in a subgroup of healthy individuals. Again, the subgroup. 
Very rapid response to SARS-CoV-2 virus characterized by an early peak of RNA followed by HERV-WEMV protein expression in the absence of detectable infection by SARS-CoV-2 prompted us to investigate a possible direct stimulation by SARS-CoV-2 proteins, particularly by its surface spike protein, similar to what had been shown for human herpes virus type 6 in glial cells. A recombinant trimeric spike protein corresponding to the spike expressed on initially circulating SARS-CoV-2 isolate was added into the culture medium of monocytes from their population. Monocyte RNA was collected at 2 hours, 15 hours, 24 hours post-inoculation and analyzed by RTQ-PCR for HERV-W, HERV-K envelope gene expression. Donor 31 showed increased RNA levels for both HERV-W, HERV-K, EMV at 2 hours post-inoculation. Those from Donor 30 peaked at 15 hours, yeah. while RNA levels from both donors, 32 and 33, immediately greater than 2 hours, dropped below the baseline of non-exposed cells. It's a really heterogeneous response, even in the responders here. This makes it very, very difficult to pull out something consistent. Well, this is why we're going to speak uh, to Joanna. She's she's a Herve aficionado, so maybe she can enlighten us more. I'm learning just along with you guys here in this instance. Interestingly, donor number 30 was the only one tested positive for anti-SARS-CoV-2 serum antibodies, which did not prevent Herve transcriptional activation by spike trimer, but coincided with a delayed peak of HERV RNA. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, basically you're just looking at um, the different um, patients here and they're adding the spike protein and the envelope proteins are expressing and even even then it's not all the cells it's just a subset well i guess it depends how good their um separation has been maybe there are other um blood cell type cells in there and you're just looking at white blood cells that would make sense i'm trying to i'm really trying to give the authors the benefit of the doubt here We next analyzed whether the exposure to recombinant spike could induce interleukin-6 secretion from monocytes. Initially, we tested a large range of concentrations and found that the adduction of interleukin-6 was observed from 100 nanograms of spike protein in all tested donors. Okay. Interleukin-6 kinetics analysis was performed on MCs tested for HERV expression using 500 nanograms of the spike protein. Results showed a significant increase in interleukin-6 production starting from 15 hours exposure in monocyte culture, um, including HERV non-responding ones. So HERV is not necessary for interleukin-6 expression. That's what I would take from that. But still, I'm not, I'm not getting the 
Some papers are a real pleasure to read. This, not so much. And um, the technical writing seems, um, how should we say, stodgy. And yeah, the non. Um, non-English speakers. Now, I'm sorry this isn't a very exciting paper. I thought it would be more interesting. Ah, that's what you get. Look at the draw. All right. Uh, Herve WEMV protein production was confirmed by IF analysis at 72 hours in cultured monocytes of two donors inoculated with spike trimers. Again, heterogeneous response. This is disappointing. Herve WEMV positive cells were detected as previously seen with the infectious virus. Interestingly, the absence of SARS-CoV-2 entry receptor angiotensin-converting enzyme expression in monocytes suggests an interaction of the spike protein with another receptor. Yeah, we know that there are a bunch of, bunch of ligands uh, or receptors and ligand interactions. Finally, results were not influenced by the cell viability, which did not vary significantly with the analyzed culture period. Less than five days. Okay. FWEMV protein is expressed at the surface of T lymphocytes from COVID-19 patients and correlates um, Nick, yeah, let me, you can come on, let me just try and get through this because I want to, I want to see if there's more interesting stuff because i did i did see it's a very long paper and i just think that they're going through um establishing methods and oh fuck it oh, oh cool nick <laughs> this paper's boring <laughs> maybe maybe herves are involved um the fact that you're looking at some a subgroup of patients is samples i should say. samples i should say oh wait i can hear myself i can hear myself maybe maybe perhaps are you there nick you need to turn me down bro we don't hear you subgroup we don't Two, three. Uh, yeah, almost got uh, you there. Says your mic is off. Um, yeah, like I say, if you if you just fish around on Google, you can find they'll say herbs are linked to lots of different stuff. The issue I'm having here is that why why the subset of patients or samples and why you know this is somewhat interesting which is the tissue differences so lung brain heart 
etc. And in the well, we're interested in brain. So I'm presuming that this must be a different set of donors than the, <laughs> especially if you're getting uh, autopsy tissue. Are you there, Nick? Yes. One, two, three. Uh, you sound a bit garbled. Uh, a bit garbled. And I can still hear really? myself. Okay. And I can still hear myself. Let me send you. I'll send you a Zoom link, bro. We can do Zoom. Just waiting for Nick to join. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go through this this paper offline. I think that it's it's a messy paper. Um, like I say, subgroups of small sample sizes and um, limitations of the study. Further understanding the regulation of HERFW and the signaling pathway used by SARS-CoV-2 to induce it will be important in the future work to better apprehend the implicated mechanisms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These data indicate that HERFWMV does not simply represent a biomarker of COVID-19 severity or evolution, but is also likely to be a superimposed pathogenic layer contributing to disease severity, it may help to explain the inter-individual variability in COVID-19 manifestations. Yeah, that's probably the, about the biggest take home that you could extract from that with um, this very heterogeneous response. And I would be. Nick is joining me. Um, How are we doing? That is far, far better. How are you, Nick? Hey, I'm pretty good. How are you doing? Uh, I'm fr frustrated at this paper. I thought it was going to be more enlightening and it wasn't. But basically, if I was to sum that up, it's just that there's um, some some patients, um, I'm, I'm presuming those who would have a more difficult time of SARS infection, that potentially there's these have involvement but it's it's such a small sample size and and th th this is just a, a trick with um this type of data that they will because it's small sample size they they're trying to fill the paper up so they're putting like tons and tons of like methodology etc in there to sort of buttress the paper so they can get into um sell as a uh, publication um it's like a cheap egg roll when it's all cabbage and there's hardly any meat i hate that yeah yeah and um it was very very disappointing to say the least but uh what do you know about herbs 
Um, I'll, I'll tell you what I've been uh, very interested to return to sort of the roundtable discussion, and hopefully you can you can continue these conversations uh, in, aren't you? You're coming up with a discussion with uh, two women scientists, right? Yeah. yeah you're more than welcome okay. to hop in if you're... Oh, uh, well, I mean, if, if I'm available and around, I'd love to, but if it's a really, truly a discussion among uh, people that have uh, clinical and bench experience to discuss things at the microscopic level, I don't want to detract. I'd much rather just front load you with some questions and maybe some information from the Zotero. Mm -hmm. uh, but the Herv interest that I've got really uh, kind of came back when uh, I started listening to you. And uh, I started looking at the papers that you were presenting, going in, you know, pulling those up as, and following along with you, and then using the uh, similar articles, related articles, and going off on my own tangents with lookups. Mm. So I'm very, very interested in the HERV domain with regards to psychiatric presentation. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that has anything to do with the the COVID zombies that we were joking about. Uh, you know, it's been some time since we've really seen that in the news, and that could have also been. Well, you're not watching uh, the same channels I am. Oh, okay. Well, thankfully, I, yeah, I've expunged some of that from my mind. I'm not, I'm not seeking it out too much, but, mm. um, but I wondered, you know, is is that because Herve. Uh, type K and type W um, are strongly correlated to several of the acute psychiatric presentations. Yeah. So this, uh, again, this is why I'm sort of treading into this area. I'm certainly going to tread very slowly um, after this paper, but um, if I, 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 I want to, this is something Joanna, I'm sure is going to help clarify a lot, but it's in my mind, just from seeing what I've seen in the literature, it seems that they can have physiological roles, right? So you get this trope in there where they talk about endogenous retroviruses and they'll talk about syntitin 1 and its involvement in um, placenta and um, embryogenesis, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's always these um, resorts to... Oh yeah, this we know we know that it's responsible for this, and there's a, a suspicion in this case. But I, I would I would really like to see something more, well, particularly for neuro, neuropsychiatric, something something that's um, more robust than what what I'm seeing at the moment. And I get it that they're seeing it in um, multiple sclerosis. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to deny that data, but again, if there's a if there's a physiological role, and so how about this as an as an idea? So because these are endogenous, it means that you're as an organism, you've you will have seen these peptides before, and so your response to them. It's not like dealing with a novel pathogen. So you should be able to contain them. And the fact that they're upregulating and seem to be upregulating in intensity with emergence of other disease, it's still it's still that normal mechanism trying to um, control a pathogenic state. 
rather rather than them being um, pathology inducing by themselves. That makes sense. Uh, it does. And what's unclear from, because I've got a lot of papers on HERV, K and W and tying, you know, tying them in. If, if you want me to share, I could share out the Zotero. We could just scroll through the titles and you could get a general sure. sense of additional data if you want to, or, um, you know, we can just talk about what I've seen. It's, it's tied very closely to uh, acute depression and to schizophrenia. Um, at, you know, to name two of the, the pronounced disorders, but uh, coming back to the point of ambiguity and uncertainty, you know, being, being cautious about coming to conclusions, uh, it, it's about the, the unknown concentric factors, the cofactors. That's where, uh, say, in the early AIDS uh, epidemic, you could see in particular populations specific things that were cropping up again and again and again. One of them was pneumocystis carnii. So that was very easy to, that's a fingerprint of something that was either um, endemic in the community or it was spreading and it was easily transmitted. Um, and there were other fingerprints. EBV and uh, other herpes virus cofactor presentations. So those are some interesting models to look at. And then years later, they may have come to find out that there were additional cofactors like funguses or protozoa or mycoplasma, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but with the HERVs and the concern about uh, these presentations, the data comes before the era of coronavirus or of COVID-19. Mm. So what we saw were, was in patients that had uh, an immunosuppression uh, or a non-compromised immune system. Those are the particular signals that I think are important to look at. Presentation of an acute situation where they didn't have any other underlying cofactors. Um, in so much as trying to get to the bottom of what do these particular two little bugs in the big pantheon of mess of human public health have to do with um, a pronounced near, you know, a neurologic or psychiatric condition, which I think is why you're focusing on this. Mm, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to, not going to disagree with you. I just, um, again, I'm, I'm looking for something a bit more tangible because it's it's correlation data so far that that's my feeling here and if you want to share screen dude um for some reason you've done stop the share a second Now try doing share. Okay. And this is Herve K and W and schizophrenia. Mm. So it's just a it's just a small collection. It's not thousands and thousands of of studies, um, but there's a great deal of, uh, well, involvement of HERV with MS, 
Um, and then as I'm looking at more of the biological controls, I've got my hands right now on a big batch of papers from 1978, the NIAID task reports or the, the task force reports where they're talking about sort of a spectrum of, um, of targets, you know, opportunities in public health, mostly uh, being targeted with controls for vaccination. Uh, and we see Right in their literature, one of the one of the last instances that I see in publicly available data, um, very clear signs of consenting to common adverse events from the different therapies, you know, from the different products. And one of them was a correlation to triggering MS. There were in several instances, there was a mention of MS. And I'm like, yeah, wait this a minute. Something that I keep seeing. The MS thing is seems pretty consistent in the literature the um but it, it's still it's still i i want to see them over express in an animal model and induce the same for for my sense of scientific curiosity okay oh yeah well this is a this is a review of literature so this is not lab science just a second uh, well, tell me, what kind of keyword would you like to search for in this directory? You you take us on the tour. Uh, so let's start with multiple sclerosis and then um, see if there's an animal model. And... and like I say, this is this is not me saying that there isn't this relationship right now it's just that yeah. we have if we're stepping into this domain of well is is this is this upregulation going to be feeding into prion type disorders i really want to be sure that we're dealing with a cause like i said the the fact that these samples were just there was three out of eight um, human mm -hmm. samples that they were looking at, right? Um, you, would you accept human human monkeys, talking monkeys? Sure, let's have a look at that then. Yeah. So, but what I would what I would take from this then is look for uh, some way of inhibiting these herbs and mm -hmm. putting multiple sclerosis into relapse. That's the approach that you should take. You, you, you don't, you can't induce the effect in the human. So it's about modulating it. And... Uh, by inhibiting glial cells. No, that's not the direction we wanted to no, go. So, so it, you, you would, well, any cell, I may I may not have it in this collection here, so sorry. Right. Go ahead. So any cell is going to have herbs, right? Because they're germline dependent. So you bought you're born with them, and I would I would presume every except blood cell, uh, red blood cells, um, are going to have the potential to express human endogenous retroviruses. So in this instance, you want to be able to take whatever. So in in the nature paper we were looking at they were well i can bring that up let me just 
Can I stop your share? Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, I don't do this. This, and they had a bunch of HIV drugs, which they tested in this paper. I have to find it though. What was the surveillance window? <laughs> Two weeks. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is in culture. So. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. Um. And yeah, there's just, no immune system in culture. Right, right. And this is the, this is about teasing apart mechanisms for um, prion cascades. And okay. it does, you know, there's enough of a signal there for me to say, well, yeah, these herbs are going to change. But they seem to change for no matter what I looked for, you could find a herb upregulation or not and let's see okay so here's here's something that kind of throbs in you know in the in the psychic mind of uh history and this big thing that i've got about origins you know me i'm i'm like a, a honey badger that just keeps i, I someone says another pathogen and as if, if it says human in front of it I immediately think, okay, that's another cell culture contamination event. It's another crossover, you know, through the the biopharma, uh, you know, mess of about the thirty years from the fifties to the eighties. So, Amprenivir so, uh, is uh, one yeah. of the drugs that they use. Um, Do antiretroviral drugs protect from MS? So this is 2018, it's pretty recent. So, um, ephedrines, a non-nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitor alone or different combined drugs could reduce of it doesn't really say for MS though. Well, this is where you're you're making me think of these really eloquent, beautiful conversations that I've heard Johanna and Christine and I think Mary and yourself and, and a couple of others. Um Doc Keck may have brought it up. I know that um Scott Perez has discussed this. And this is all of the electromagnetics um at the cellular level. And uh and the fact that now that they're doing I, I'm I'm kind of bowled over of the new era that people are doing drug investigations completely in the computer models. And the accuracy of it in certain ways is beautiful without, you know, just what you can, what you can rule out the things that, you know, the, the wasted time that you can avoid um, is fascinating to me. And to see things cited in, you know, in silico is, is really interesting, but I'd like for, I'd like for you at the round table to please say, Hey, let's um, let's talk about this use of the word human 
at the front of this big, there's a, a number of, of pathogens with that uh, moniker. And does that really point us, does that direct us towards most likely a zoonotic or contamination source? And they did that because there's clearly, it's a, it's a bifurcated species or subspecies. It's in the animal kingdom. It's in people now. And they wanted to differentiate it and call it human, just like Robert Gallo had his human T lymphocyte viruses. Well, I will do my best. I mean, it, it's, you know, I'm outside of my area of comfort with this. And, um, you know, the, so the idea that you, like everyone's carrying it in the worst case scenario, everyone is carrying around these, um, endogenous retroviruses, right? That's, that's what I would take from this literature. And the discussion we had with, um, Christy, it came up that multiple sclerosis is a, um, a disease for whitey and mm-hmm. you know is is the herve distribution different such that that plays in i, I again if this is well you know what we've got the power of chat gpt <laughs> we can oh <laughs> <laughs> no, i just no, want to no. see what I'm... it says I'm struggling with uh, a, a, a investigator who is definitely engaging on the historic uh, SVCP materials and all of that because uh, he really he's trying to move as quickly as possible through it. And obviously, there's a steep learning curve to just pick up the basics of their era of virology language, oncology language, just the basics. They, they use a different set of words then than they do now in, in many ways. So he, he's, he's not going to try and take the path that I did. And he's leaning heavily on chat GPT. And every time he feeds something new into it, I'm not, what I'm very interested in is how in the hell is it understanding etiology of something, you know, like, like the synonyms, in the cancer language, um, mm-hmm. in, in, inducing means something very particular in viral oncology. Um, transformation means something very predictive and specific. You know, that's a that's when cancer begins. The transformation and immortalization. All of these different words um, that I'm like, how in the hell does a Chat GPT have? Um, an education for those clusters, for those those word relationships, and that's where I don't, I just don't trust that it can give, um, uh, unless it's completely a, a isolated, air gapped version, and it isn't getting fed bullshit from some parent database. I I don't think that it's necessarily a reliable assistant as of yet. But I think that people are asking these very questions. They're challenging these these um, the relations and the logic, and particularly the mathematical relationships in the language, um, and f- trying to move that forward. But English is so messy. There's mm-hmm. so many synonyms and so many different ways to say things um, that it would be very easy for ChatGPT to misinterpret. Mm. Yeah. Well, just a quick uh, quick perusal says that. There may be some relationship with MS. It doesn't know. And um, there have been some exploratory studies 
trying to use anti-retroviral drugs for multiple sclerosis, but again, um, it seems ambiguous to me. It's it's um, it's not a well fleshed out area right now, and you know a lot of this just comes to the difficulty in trying to do these types of studies, right? So as an example, the paper we were reading, three out of eight of the responders, or sorry, three out of eight had a HERV reaction. And then as I understood the paper, maybe I'm, I'm already forgetting it, but um, it was differential between those three, how it responded. So mm -hmm. it's it's hard data to pin down. But the it's important that we wrap our heads or, or at least get something we have to say we just don't know enough and move on in this respect, given the um the pace at which just data is emerging and mm -hmm. have to circle back at some point but the you know the critical thing from this nature paper was that presence of herbs were increased massively the degree to which prion cascades occurred and that is um well that's where i want to be aiming right but then, you know, what if that turns out to be the case? Then what do, what do we do? Um, you know, the that's that's the pathway for medical tyranny. There, everyone's been exposed. Um, if you don't take your prep, you're going to have a spongy brain or some variation of in a decade, two decades. Uh, I'm a bit reluctant to be, you know, there are some things just best not known, right? Um, um, you'd, you'd think, but then again, uh, if that was really the case, Kevin, wouldn't you and I both still be hiding under our beds from some things in the world? Mm. And, wouldn't, and wouldn't you incur, and I don't mean to push, say, your kid's face into all of the ugliness and all of this stuff. Of course not. I believe in allowing um, the young person to discover the world on their own. But the analogy I'm using about hiding under the bed is we've got the, the spine now to face the most difficult things. And if they are about science and health and things that are just sort of overwhelming, this this sort of um, this closet full of crap, you know, you open the door and it all falls out and you're like, oh, shit, that's sort of what a lot of people are coming to the realization about because they're forced to because we're being faced with it in our own, you know, in, in, in our coworkers and our families because of this strange new twist in our immunology because of COVID. It's bringing to light all of the ghosts that were lurking in our cells. And that's what my community learned, um, you know, in a very horrible way. And, and the point being is that I saw people make it over the arc. I mean, people that used 
the phyto and the the nutraceutical and whatever other other methods to stay alive till 1995 when the antiretroviral cocktail became available. Mm. Um, and I don't. That's not the the same model necessarily. You know, it's not like let's just stay alive until there's some miracle pharma to fix this. Um, I think that we know a whole lot about sort of what are the two major uh, uh, forces. That's where that's where we can simplify it for people. Don't worry about solving for this whole big uh, swarm of things that might be in your body or might cause a problem. Uh, if there's something in particular that's beginning to manifest, this is how you approach um, an aggressive corrective therapy. You need to treat the COVID. You need to treat the spike if you are testing positive for it or you were exposed or you got the, the treatments and you need to really lean in hard and try to figure out, are there um, any kind of viral or retroviral influences or cofactors in the secondary pathology? That's how people survived. I have these little magical, you know, books. I've got my friend, my friend Gary had a, a book and he wrote down his regimen and it's all things that are now people are selling in webinars. They're saying this, you know, use turmeric and the magic of turmeric and all this stuff. And it's beautiful, but it's just a lot of plant science, mostly. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not saying that's the only approach. I'm not saying let's throw out pharma approach. Um, I really like the peptide uh, possibilities. I've heard Dr. Mikovits talk about um, T-peptide and some other things that went over my head at the time. But I, I'm interested in anything that we can use, particularly broad spectrum. And I think the key is things that interrupt reproductive cycles, whether it's cells reproducing with the, you know, the, the uh, oncogenic gene or the problem genes inside or the budding and, and reentry process, if that's the way that it propagates. Mm. And I'm just, you know, actually, what, what is critical from this paper i did skip over it because it was more the methods but they specifically tested just with spike protein and they got the have upregulation. now mm. again it's not enough it's such a small sample set that i don't know if i want to um take too much from that but um again it's it's multiple multiple routes of exposure being um, demonstrated here, and the simple fact is is that they got billions of doses into people's arms, and if they've made spike protein, then it's possible that they've upregulated their uh, levels, I guess, for want of a better expression, and it may then be predisposing them to other conditions and it's, it's the issue we have here is just it's it's like trying to do experimentation down in like the subatomic scale um in terms of well no <laughs> we, we do that as uh relatively easily now um but we don't have these complex systems we have, we're in the public domain at least, we're very much finding our way through this. Um, and I, I'm, I bet you, if you take a look, well, I don't know if 
you've just done her for neuropsychiatric, but how much it relates to cancers, etc., and all these, um, all manner of diseases. And it's when you get into a situation like that where it's so wide reaching across so many different pathologies. Yeah. It's, it's a hard thing to um, get, you know, a succinct, oh, you need to do X or Y in this instance. Um, it's, it's true. And, and di broad spectrum diagnostics for me, that's, you know, I know, I feel like there's, um, I think I asked you this when I first met you, did you, were you uh, aware of a sort of emerging multifunctional testing technology, a platform that came out and then seemed to kind of, kind of disappear. And it claimed to be able to test for all of these specific um, endogenous and communicable um, sub, you know, sub infections that we get that are related to major disease later on. Did you, did that ever cross your radar? Um, are you talking about things like, uh, what do you call it? Spooky and that type of thing. No, 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 no. Uh, I no. This was no. This is purely uh, laboratory. No energy science. This was this was diagnostic science. But it was something that was claiming through. Uh, I I didn't. I I saw it as a story. And before I had an opportunity to go back and uh, look at Theranos? any papers, that that, uh, that um, scam by that woman. <laughs> oh it, well, I think it was the Bay Area company, and I saw at least two stories about it. Yay! I, I'll go and dig for it. Yeah, the, that's, anyway, that's Theranos, I think. Okay, I'll take a look. Um, I'll make a note and see if that's the same thing that I saw. But it was claiming to be able to do this, basically Star Trek type testing. Yeah, that Theranos. you could. Okay, okay. Is that with an F? Uh, T H E. -R. Oh, Theranos. Okay, gotcha. Like Thanos. Okay. Yeah, and uh, but it um, ended up being it ended up being a fart in the wind. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, bastards! Okay, all right. One big scam. Well, I, I, I'm I'm thrilled about that specifically for this reason, and the other end. You can just turn a frown upside down, Kevin, and say, um, "Guess what?" Because of my behaviors, exposures, environment, pets, whatever, in, in, uh, treatments, medical, medical, uh, iatrogenic interventions. Um, I, I will assume a certain catalog of risk and I'll begin uh, not a scorched earth, but an intelligent and progressive process to clean it out of the body. That's that's what I understand a lot about German plant science to be. They they liked the Greek you know, food is medicine, medicine is food. Um, and one of the things that they do in um, some parts of Germany is uh, in the spring, when there's this voracious amount of herbs available, they do these uh, potato salads. It's just a very simple, uh, like a country recipe, basically, but you get this broad variety of phytonutrients and it cleans the blood. That's what they, that's what they use it for is an annual um, antiseptic. And it's, I love that approach. And I, that's also where karma and I are total nerds. And we're thinking about how do we, you know, turn a healing garden um, that's meaningful. That's, that's really subs, you know, that's working. It's not some, it's not, it's not a jar full of, you know, uh, sea monkeys. You know, it's not, it's not some little 
gimmicky bullshit. It's something that could literally be an ongoing part of where you live. You could do it on a balcony. You could do it in the kitchen window. Or if you have a yard, you can have a big healing garden and have a dense number of these um, very, very beneficial phytonutrients growing. And you just fold that in, you incorporate that in and it, it doesn't, it's not a miracle, but it helps increase your odds. Um, you know, it lowers the probabilities of some of these more debilitating things. And we see, I see in the same literature that you see all of the pharma work, I see phyto, I see phytoceutical investigations and effective molecules that have, um, you know, binding and inhibitory capabilities, things like that. So that's where I want to, I want to keep people excited and hopeful because there is the, the news we're facing continues to be you know, just awful. And what's just happened in England with this new trying to, you know, lock people up for saying something against the government's opinion. Mm-hmm. I think that's, um, I think that's a big litmus test for the world. I think they're saying if we can get away with it here, then we'll just continue rolling it out. You know, we'll just roll yeah. it all downhill. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, it's well, I don't want to be too black pilled, but <laughs> something like, uh, well, take these endogenous retroviruses um you know one is i just it seems difficult to test for routinely from my understanding i mean Mm -hmm. they're going to have to do a bunch of um immunohistochemistry etc pcr maybe and again if there's so much Co-variation in not co-variation heterogeneity in populations. I'm not sure how good of a signal it is in in order to extract something meaningful. This this is the you know I'm just wondering how much of a dead end this particular avenue is. I mean it's fascinating that it's linked with prions, but you know, ten percent of your genome being made from it. Um, yeah, that's, I'm I'm struggling to think how you would sort of pass out the signal and the noise. I mean, they they um, seem very confident in their graphical abstract. <laughs> I've got another another uh, happy, joyful little uh, tidbit for you here, if you can stand it. Mm, sure. Uh, by the way, friends, raccoons, uh, those of you washing your crawfish in the creek right now, um, uh, we have, a, we have a, a positive signal. We have a confirmation um, that oh, uh, hang, John... Hang on. Stop, stop the share. I need to put it on another monitor. Okay. We have confirmation that Dr. Um, John Scott Perez is going to join Carmadoc, and we're going to have a conversation about cancer and cannabis with John O'Loughlin in, I don't know, two or three weeks. Um, but we're talking about um, Dr. Scott Perez of the Allison V product. And um, he's been very supportive of John as John's been um, doing very well um, since learning that he had a remission or a, a, a recurrence, excuse me. Okay. So, um, Because of the Allison? Uh, he, well, we're, again, we're, we're, it's a, it's a kitchen sink. It's a metastasized, uh, prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. 
and he's very open about it. So we're not, you know, we're not spilling any beans. It's the, it's the subject of the shows. We've been doing shows every Thursday night. Mm -hmm. Um, But he, uh, Scott uh, uh, just donated a large uh, portion of the, uh, the Allison V compound and John has been vaping it regularly. And we always joke about um, Italian and Greek women flirting with him in the grocery store. Um, Marcia likes that. She thinks that's funny, but uh, he's, he hasn't, you know, he's tolerating it well. And, you know, John, I I keep calling him John, uh, Scott, Scott keeps publishing on Twitter. And I try to help amplify because I think he's one of the people that are squelched Uh, his, his work and the publications and the patent data and the, you know, the good empirical data on the functional, um, you know, mechanism of the, uh, what is it? The disulfur bridge that it bonds to. Yeah. Mm. So, okay. Are you ready? Garlic, I guess. Um, Well, you can, and and you should please eat plenty of garlic. Um, But this is about getting this particular molecule in past directly into the bloodstream so that it can get to other tissue types. Mm. Um, okay. So you were talking about uh, earlier, you know, we, we have mentioned again and again, airborne, airborne AIDS. Mm. Here's one that I just was scrolling through one of the directories on the Zotero mm. and saw this uh, back in 2008 where they had fused HIV into adenovirus and don't forget, SV40 adenovirus was a naturally, well, a an unnatural, but a a natural recombination, not a not an, an, an intentional attenuation, passaging, all of that process. It just recombined in like 1956 or 57. Mm-hmm. They they characterized it. But here's a version that gave people HIV. And um, so, you know, we also have looked at plenty of proceeding uh, using sub sub components of HIV uh, in an adenovirus vector and an and a pox vector and other types of, mm-hmm. of viral um, vehicles. So this is just one that was interesting. It's a full text that's available. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that this is a fascinating one of the stepping stones, it looks like. And I, I'm, presumably it wasn't effective in the long term i mean otherwise they'd be dishing it out left right and center right i'm sure that there was a lot learned from this experience i'll say that Mm. yeah well i'm not sure what we're dealing with right now um i would just encourage people to be um well don't go gene transfecting these peptides man that's that's a stupid thing to do right now. And thankfully we're seeing that right now. The uptake is is minimal, but I'm just I'm just wondering if it's uh, damage is done. That's that's the concern. They're saying that this could have ruined the entire market of existing tests and that they would have basically needed to redesign uh, the test to only respond to the pieces of protein that hadn't been utilized in the vaccine product. Right. right. Yeah. Well, which makes me wonder about the, the surface proteins um, in COVID-19 and the reliability, the dependability of any of the current over-the-counter HIV tests. Um, most most importantly for a false positive like you know for yeah i think we would have heard about that by now though right yeah well 
I mean, if the uh, sewage detection is anything to go by, everyone everyone should be singing Everybody Has AIDS Now song. I guess. Uh, We're all going to go back to that family guy mm-hmm. scene where the barbershop quartet comes in. That's awful. Okay. Well, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, um, I pull out a, you know, it's, you know, coming up on Halloween. So there's, you're going to have some, uh, some black pills from Nick here and there, but, mm-hmm. uh, there, there is some good stuff in the Zotero folks. If you want to just poke around, um, uh, particularly in the neuropsychiatric infectious area, mm-hmm. again, not to get paralyzed or overwhelmed, uh, with everything that we might, could be might be exposed to but to also use the search function and go out to the journals and to the aggregators and while you're there do another search and take um the word telomere and say instead of just looking for all of the telomere damage say telomere replenishment and you might find something that isn't in the news that might be in a food or a compound or something that you can get your hands on. The same thing goes for a number of therapies that appear to have just been buried like snow in all of the literature. So that's where I'm encouraging you. If you want to look at that stuff, don't, you know, don't get freaked out. Um, most of us get exposed to toxoplasmosis. You know, T. Gandhi is, um, is almost ubiquitous. Um, and it's a big risk, but a lot of us, most of us don't suffer um, an acute psychiatric presentation from it or acute depression. So, you know, but it is, for example, like with the kids, that's where I think that testing coming back to wishing we had more available testing, better testing in specific is for avoiding psychiatric uh, assumptions with kids. And putting kids on this big merry-go-round of uppers and downers and focusing and mood stabilizers and, and amphetamines. Um, to, yeah, to like American medicine needs to. Nice. Um, yep. It's terrible what they, what they do over there. Um, That's Rockefeller medicine. That's Rockefeller medicine. Hashtag not all of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, dude. I think um, I'm going to wrap it there. I, I'm going to I'm going to wait for Joanna to um, give me a download on curves because that's how I'm I'm getting out of my comfort zone with with this. And yeah, it just seems it's it's too noisy, too noisy a signal for me right now. Um, yes, but but ignoring it is not the right thing. If it's a if it's a risk then if there's a practical, approachable, affordable, and non-toxic therapy to be prophylactic about it or, or you know, before there's presentation, that's where, you know, I, I, think, I think there's so much that's known that isn't available broadly. It's, it, it isn't well understood. And that's where I just say, hey, um, she's gonna, you better have some tea, Kevin, when you get on with her because you know you're going to get a lesson. <laughs> and. Um, uh, and I will now, I'm sorry. What is the, just one last question. What's the timing of that? You said that's in the next couple of days here or, uh, so tonight I'm going to be doing, um, an interview with, um, Francois dopaminergic 13, you know, um, and tomorrow morning, my time 6am I'll be on with Joanna and Christy. And yeah, okay. my goal right now is um, to understand these 
have some more. Um, sure. Look, are, they, are they involved in disease? Probably, likely, I'm sure. But um, what exactly they're doing, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's why you just you just throw up your hand and you say i i appreciate the lesson and i'll be i'll be there with bells on you're on pretty much a flip-flop for me of you know the 13 hour it's you know day is night night is day mm -hmm. so i'll watch for the email and and i will uh try to chime in with uh questions in the chat um but i'll you know let's let them uh share their their insights for us yeah i think i think maybe what i'll do i'll, I'll fish around see if i can find a review for herves and covid rather than th this paper which was um very well methods orientated and um like I, said, I don't want to, i don't want to say they're not finding them but um how how causal they are to anything i, I don't know on the clinical picture all right i'll let you um must be i can't tell what it is for you late right <laughs> It's 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 ten, it's a late supper. That's it. It's late supper time. So um, okay. be well. Good, good talking with you. Yeah, and you take care, bro. Cheers. All right. Boom. All right. That was Nick to add um, something of a uh, cherry onto what was uh, excuse the euphemism, but a less than informative paper right now. Um, I think I should probably, like I say, I'm not comfortable in this space yet. And yes, they say they see it in um, brain, in microglia, but yeah, you know, small sample sizes again, etc. I'll see if I can find a review, come back to it. So I'll be streaming in approximately eight and a half hours from now um i'm gonna go get my head down get some rest and uh yeah i'll be screaming uh, screaming yeah screaming <laughs> streaming a bunch in the next uh 24 hours at least and uh come on feed that blick he's uh going hungry today <laughs> all right i'm out of here take care uh god bless and i will see you in the next one bye bye bro you don't know how angry i am you do, I'm like, I was just leaving for fucking work. You do not understand how fucking pissed off. After reading that little line, I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. Fuck these gaffers. I will fucking kill each fucking gaffer. I swear. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually saying. Fuck these gaffers. No fucking vaccine or ever. Whatever throws you my fucking blood, blood, never! No. I will fucking die! Fucking fighting for my fucking fees and my fucking forefathers and my fucking lineage! Fuck these motherfuckers! All that fine? This guy. Send tech 45,000 to turn this. Never! 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 Never!